2: On this week's episode of the Highly Relevant Podcast, filmmaker Robert Rodriguez and Alita Battle Angel actress Rosa Salazar. Welcome to episode 106 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I am your host, Jack Rico, and today we have a really great episode for you. And it's not just because of the quality of the guests, But it's because of what they have to say. So the first interview you're going to listen to is with Robert Rodriguez. He is the director of the new film Alita Battle Angel. But of course, we know him as the master of budget filmmaking and a huge advocate for Hispanic talent in Hollywood. And him and I discuss how it was a happy coincidence that his lead actress, Rosa Salazar, which we talked to within this episode... Um, how it was just a happy coincidence that she was Peruvian It wasn't a deliberate thing that he was set out to do or anything uh, How one of the main goals of his TV network El Rey Which is owned by Univision Was to find and hire more Latino filmmakers That he felt this just a massive dearth of You can't create an action Latino star If there's no filmmakers to tell writers to create one um, And I asked him this really strong question I thought it was direct and to the point and clear. And it was if it is the responsibility of a Hispanic director to create Latino stars. Then I chat with Rosa Salazar, the star of Alita Battle Angel. We discuss why her Peruvian culture means so much to her, how she had to white-knuckle her way to becoming the star of her own movie, and why seeing Latinos on screen can build viable career aspirations. That's what I'm talking about. For today's Latin axis. And I thought this interview was pretty damn honest and revealing and just real. So, uh, hope you guys enjoy that. But let's begin with Robert Rodriguez.
3: You told me the story of the war when the ground shook and the sky burned, of the ones that survived, who awoke to a different
2: world. Robert Rodriguez, welcome to the highly relevant podcast. Hey, what does this movie mean to you personally? I know there's a lot going into this.
1: The movie to me personally, was a chance to finally work with Jim Cameron. He and I have known each other over twenty five years and, and we tried to make we almost made something together in ninety seven and in two thousand and three, but you know I did some city instead. and uh, this was like third times the charm. It seemed like the perfect mm. project and it, and it was the only, and better than those other projects in that it already had a script. He had already written a script for himself to direct. So that's, you know, that reminded me of like Dustal Till Dawn, you know, that was a right. script Quentin had written. But he wasn't going to direct, and it was rare to get a Quentin script at all. Anything he wrote from that point on, he was just going to direct himself. These guys don't put that kind of work into something that, just to hand it to another filmmaker. They'd almost rather not see it get made <laughs> than get made incorrectly. Um, because they live with a version that's in their head because it's so clear in their head when you write it, when they write it, especially and Jim had 600 pages of notes and you know, three hour draft. I mean, he, he saw it so clearly. So the chance to work on that with him and him trust me to to do it. And we just had a blast making it together. Um. Um, and and just seeing it, you know, resonate with audiences. That's that's just the best feeling, you know, to know that they they love the movie. And it's only because I just asked them, "Hey, what <laughs> happens to movies like Battle Angel?" And he and he happened to hand it over. If that hadn't happened, you know, people wouldn't have this movie.
2: Absolutely insane. Um, you've built a reputation in being an efficient filmmaker with budgets. Alita's budget, mm-hmm. from what I've heard, and maybe you can confirm that it was 170 million dollars, and I believe mm-hmm. it's the most in your career. Is this oh, yeah. a dream for you or did it create chaos with your approach to filmmaking?
1: I think if I normally, usually why I stayed away from big studio films is because I had so much creative freedom on my lower budget movies. I always preferred taking a lower budget and making it look bigger and um, being able to cast who I want. I could cast Latin actors. I could end it where I want. I could do anything I want. I love that freedom. And I knew on a bigger budget movie they'd be all over me to make it a certain way, which right. is understandable. They want their money they want their money back. So I was like, I don't I don't need the big budget. I'll just go make my own franchises lower budget. I love the the freedom. But working with Jim is like uh is like making an independent film because he has final say. Oh wow. So it's like, oh, as long as Jim Jim and I are happy, then it goes in. And uh and even he said he was shocked how fast they shot I shot this movie in fifty seven days. <laughs>
2: That's incredible, That's like Robert. Really Seriously, man, so, fifty-seven so
1: days. Still, so even though I had one hundred and seventy million, it wasn't like I was making it look like one seventy. Even Jim said it would take it would he would have spent twice that. Wow. Uh, to make the same movie. So you know we're cutting edge technology. We're creating something that you've never seen before. Um, it would have been a, a really hefty price tag if I if I hadn't done it. So um, I, I I used my same cost-cutting techniques to kind of take that budget and and stretch it into Jim Cameron land because there's no point in him making a movie with his name on it unless it's going to be breaking new ground. So uh, I kind of helped keep the the budget, you know, more, more contained by just being real efficient.
2: Were you ever intimidated by the scale of the film?
1: You know, he said that early on. He said, you know, everything you've done, everything in this movie you've done before, except other than performance capture, but I'll show you that in a week. Um, and I went and he showed me how to do that. He said, everything else is just, uh, you've done in some way, or shape, or form. So it's really a matter of scale and scope more than te- technique. You know, right. it's not like new technique. Um, and he was right. You know, once he showed me the performance capture, how to do it, and I adapted it for this. He even dug how I used it so much. <laughs> he's using some of those techniques <laughs> in, in Avatar. He's like, hey, now oh, we're done. Wow, ducking. cool. cool. So, you know, we're, but we've always done that. You know, all of these 25 years I've known him, we've, you know, I see what he's doing and I and I get ideas. He sees what I'm doing. He would get ideas, you know. So, um, it's, it, it's, that's kind of why we like working together. That's why I like working with Quentin or Frank Miller. It's, it gets you out of your own just, you know, staying in your whole, and right. and getting to see what other people do, and you get firsthand, you know, seeing what they do, not just watching behind the scenes, making of, actually being there and seeing how he crafts the screenplay or how he visualizes his movies. It's like staggering. You never would have, you never could have figured it out on your own. Right. So it's a it's a it's a real leg up in methodology.
2: You've been a beacon for featuring Hispanic talent in Hollywood since the beginning of your career. Um, why, has been, why has that been such an important part of what you do in filmmaking?
1: Uh, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of just legit, you know, just, just logical. When you write anything, you write in your own point of view, you know. So I would write based on who I was. So any script I wrote is probably going to have a Latin lead character. So when I went to go make Desperado, it just wasn't any Latin actors working in Hollywood, really, because no one was writing those parts. No one was directing those roles. So I realized if I was going to make movies, I needed to create my own Latin star system. So, you know, I brought Antonio from, from Europe. I, put, I discovered Salma Hayek. I brought Cheech out of retirement. I, I I put Danny Trejo in every movie I, I made so he was a star. <laughs> so it was really, it really was just a, a matter of survival. You know, it's like I want to tell these stories that, that I, I have a personal connection with, you know, a story based on my family that has a, a, an edge to it and some fantasy element. Um, growing up in a family of 10 kids, except I'll just make them spies, do a movie like Spy Kids. I have, to, I have to create my own stars. Right. So otherwise, how do you make that movie? So it was more, it was more, uh, started out like that. And then I just saw that there was still a real need for it in Hollywood. So I created my own television network to give more filmmakers chances because we needed more filmmakers actually that were you know diverse backgrounds because they would write the role that would demand that they find oh. the right actors for them so it, it was a systemic problem there just wasn't people creating these roles it wasn't that the studio wasn't hiring the actor what, what role were they gonna hire for no one was writing these roles no one was just directing these roles and demanding that this person be cast so that's what needs to what needs to change still and that's what we I've been trying to do.
2: You know, all these it's, years. it's interesting that you say that because, you know, one of the things that have been very critical with Alfonso Cuarón, Guillermo del Toro and uh, Alejandro Iñárritu is that they they do make their Spanish films where every Hispanic fits. But as soon as they start creating American films, like Iñárritu in Birdman or Del Toro in Hellboy or Children of Men or Gravity in Cuarón, there's one thing missing Compared and juxtaposed to Robert Rodriguez, there's no Hispanic talent. And so I ask you the question, is it the responsibility for a Hispanic director to create Latino stars?
1: Um, well, I mean, it's not the resp- I don't know that you say it's the responsibility. It's something that I definitely see as, as my, something that I can offer. Um, and you got to understand all three of those that you mentioned, they're not from here. So when they're in Mexico, you're right, they can make movies that are completely Mexican. When they're here, they can feel free to make movies that are American. Because I'm Mexican-American, I prefer to make my, you know, to try and help change the situation here for filmmakers here by giving more filmmakers that are here their voice so they can cast more, you know, the kind of, you know, actors and, and write the roles that reflect more their, their life here in the States as a, as a minority in the States, you know, it's a, Mm -hmm. it's a very different, different things. Of course, when you're, when you're from another country, you don't feel that responsibility because it's not, that's not your point of view. I mean, you're making movies that are for the entire world, so they don't have, they don't need to do that. Um, I don't think you should force them to do that. I think what Mm -hmm. they do is fantastic. And, uh, I think how they do it is fantastic, but it's different when you come from the country here and when you don't come from the country here. So, um, I, I love that they can disappear behind some of these big budget movies and you and you forget that they're the one behind it because they're not pushing an agenda. Unless you right. really feel that agenda, you shouldn't be pushing that agenda. I really believe that that needs to be done. So that's why I do that. And I doubled and tripled down on that, but it's not everyone's cross. It's not everyone's cross to bear. You know, I just know that I found it particularly difficult to make movies that reflected my identity here because of the way the system was. So I wanted to change the system.
2: Now that you're saying doubling down on that, casting Rosa Salazar, I mean,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: what a gem of an actress for this. I mean, it just seems like she was born to play Alita. Um, yeah. Explain to me, with all the rhetoric that's been going on with politics, with identity politics, with the racial uh, sensibilities of our nation right now, uh, I thought it was very ballsy of you, dude, to take a James Cameron super big budget film and put a Latina lead on, in there that wasn't necessarily Michelle Rodriguez or Zoe Saldana or somebody that was a household name at this point. Tell me about going on that path. Was it deliberate on your end, or was she just happened to be the best person for the job to lead this movie in Rosa Salazar?
1: Yeah, no, I was, I was so proud that she could be in the movie because it was just total coincidence that she was just happened to be Latin. We had it open, so we kept...
2: So it wasn't deliberate.
1: really wide. Oh, no, not at all. Oh, I would never narrow it down so tight just for, for that. You want to hire the best person. And that she was the best person gives you even more pride because when I found her, That's I awesome. sent her to Jim and said, hey, I don't want to jump the gun, but this girl's amazing. And he said, well, I don't think we even need to look further. She's definitely the <laughs> one. I mean, she was so head and shoulders above everyone else who came in. But we always knew we'd have to go kind of discover the, the person because you would look at, you know, known actresses out there. None of them we thought were like, you know, you can just say, oh, it's, I know who Alita is. It's that girl on that TV show. You know, we, we, there was no one we could just spot openly. So we knew we'd have to go through the whole casting process of discovering somebody. And so it wasn't something that needed to have a star Star in it. Alita was going to be the star, not necessarily the actress play, needed to be the actress playing her. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, she just happened to be the, the best one for the role. So that that gives you even more pride that you know you weren't rigging the game in some way. It was, she was actually just an incredible actress and just, and we put her through the whole rigmarole. I mean, even though I, I discovered her pretty early on, we still went through a whole casting process, did screen tests. She had to screen test up against other girls.
0: Oh, and we all man. had
1: to look at it. The studio had to look at it. Just, everyone just agreed she was the she was the top choice.
2: Yeah. So she hands down just completely just surprised everybody and brought her a game to 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 the auditions. That's great.
1: Yeah. So if anything, I wouldn't want that to work against her, where people would think, oh, well, of course, Robert Rodriguez. He would. He probably was looking for a Latin actress. No, I was not. So she really, because of her actually acting skills, and I think everyone can see that how amazing she is, is is why she was chosen.
2: Well, Robert, thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast and and, and talking about this. Uh, very excited about the movie. It's one of the most visually stunning films I've seen. Period.
1: I appreciate that. Well, these kind of movies, this kind of movie is really fun because you're pushing the technology so much. And I saw Jim do this on Avatar that even he didn't know how it was going to look at the end. Yeah. He didn't know how far they get the technology by the time three years later when it would come out. And we went through that on this. By the end, we both looked at the finished movie, and our jaws were dropped. We're like, this is stunning. <laughs> we, didn't know it would get that. we didn't know it would get that real. You know, we didn't know. They, they couldn't do this three years ago when we started. So um, it was a surprise to us, too, that it, that it looked that amazing, and a pleasant surprise, it, it, you felt we felt more like an audience member than the film
2: absolutely producer. yeah yeah that's what it seems so all right man thank you so much robert i appreciate your time
1: Thanks, buddy i need you to destroy a girl called alita
3: you made the biggest mistake of your life
2: Before I talk to Rosa Salazar, here are three Latin tracks you might want to add to your playlist this weekend. Sunflower remix from the Spider Verse soundtrack. Post Malone, Sway Lee, Nicki Jam, Prince Royce, Geo King's Breath. Vibras, Mr. Paradise. Regresar, Nana Mendoza.
3: This body, it has the power I need. I feel a connection to it. I can't explain.
2: whatever you were, it's not who you are now.
3: I'm a warrior,
2: aren't I? Rosa, welcome to the Highly Relevant Podcast.
3: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
2: So this is a US Latino podcast, and I fought really hard to get you on this show because I think it's important for Hispanics to talk to Hispanics, especially in this media business where there's a lack of Latin representation. But you know what? Not every single Hispanic uh, carries their culture, carries their flag, uh, they dismiss their heritage and everything. And I kind of wanted to know where you carry that toe. Um, do you carry your culture with you, your Peruvian-American culture, or do do you identify exclusively as American?
3: No, I, I don't. I uh, identify only as American. I identify as, as Latina. Uh, I was steeped in the culture. I grew up eating, you know, papalabancayina. All right. Um, I, my grandmother spoke Quechua around the house. Um, you know, my father impressed on me the importance of remembering my heritage, and I carry my flag with me wherever I go. My name is Rosa Salazar. Why would I, I want to be someone else? Right. Being Peruvian is the best part of me.
2: Why is that important for you? It's important
3: for me to know where I come from important for me to know what my roots are. I mean, it's important to me. Uh, it's not just me. I didn't just uh, crash land here. You know, I'm, I'm part of a, a story going back centuries, you know? So I, I find it important to know that for my spiritual reasons, but also because it's awesome. I love having culture. I love having a cultural base. I love, you know, the music and the food. I, I, I love my culture. I mean, it's important to me to remember um, where my assets come from, my passion, my work ethic. You know, it didn't just happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have more respect for my ancestors than that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Well, one of the great sort of landmark moments of 2019 is to have a Latina lead in the James Cameron, Robert Rodriguez sci-fi film, which I think is probably the first time that we've ever seen anything like this in Hollywood. I know that Zoe Saldana um, wasn't the lead of Avatar, but she was a major part of that film. You are the sole star of this show, uh, of this movie. Um, Alita is you. Um, and, and did it mind boggle you at first outside of the fact that you're working with James Cameron, you're working on a blockbuster film, you're carrying this movie by yourself. Explain to me a little bit of two things. One, how it feels to be a Latina leading an Anglo blockbuster Hollywood American film for everyone. And then secondly, if you could talk about the pressures of being catapulted to this place, um, where the attention is solely on you, did that, did that fuck with your head at any moment? It didn't
3: fuck with me at all. I mean, I, I, I white-knuckled my way to this moment. <laughs> I worked and slaved away to get to this moment. I cut my teeth on other films, big films, small films, supporting roles, lead roles. I, I was ready. I think it would have shocked me had I not done anything else. Like, wow, I just won the lottery! This didn't happen by accident, though. I worked my ass off to get here. So by the time I got that call, I was ready.
0: Mm. They,
3: they, you know, they are the tight—they're the—they're the titans of filmmaking. But I looked at them as colleagues. I was ready to collaborate with them. Uh, I didn't see it as a pressure at all. I saw it as an opportunity and I saw it as a responsibility and that'll touch on your first question you know what it, what is it like to be uh the sole star I a uh, Latina well I, it's a responsibility it's not a pressure at all it's a joyous responsibility <laughs> that I took on uh with a plum because it's important for me to tell uh Latino people who by the way make up you know the, the most amount of the, the highest percentage of film goers. Correct. We put asses in seats. Our asses are in the seats. It's important for them to see themselves reflected on screen. So these tickets that they buy, but also to say, oh, this is a viable career choice for me that I have options. And this is an, this is another one. So it's, it's, you know, it's about representation. It's about saying, oh, I can do that. And it's also about saying, especially in the political climate that we're in, Hey, we're here. We are here. We are here and
2: we're in IMAX 3D. <laughs> I love that. Now, um, during the, the the press tour that you've been doing for this film, which has been pretty intensive, how many of the English yeah. language media mainstream outlets have asked you about um, you being a Latina in this and the whole Latin angle of this film with Robert Rodriguez being director, etc.? Have you heard a lot about it or, or has it been pretty uh, soft?
3: No, you'd be surprised uh, and it's not only the American outlets, uh you know, I would say about 85% of the people, you know, mentioned really? it because it is such a uh you know, a unique occasion, but also places, you know, that you wouldn't expect people abroad in Berlin or in Tokyo or in Paris, uh they, you know, that were so you know, globally we're all uh shocked that um studios felt uh, that this was a, you know, this was the greatest choice because studios are so often very myopic and very safe. And uh, Latinos have this, you know, tendency in Hollywood to be hot and then not, and then hot and then not. Right. We saw this in the '90s. You know, there was a wave of blood in, blood out, Mi Familia, uh, Selena. You know, La Bamba. Like we, we had all Desperado. We had all these movies. Starring Latinos because we were super hot at the moment. And then a cold uh, front came. And then we weren't hot anymore. It was like, you know, people just decided, oh, Latinos aren't hot anymore. Well, this is a brilliant occasion because casting a Latina in the lead role of a major uh, film, a major studio picture named Alida, (laughs) and it has nothing to do with being Latina. Her, that's not that's not the attribute about her that that is first and foremost. I mean, she is in every person. Right. So uh, it's it, it's it's a huge occasion, and I think globally people are taking note of that and asking me, well, how do you feel? Uh, and and I respond, you know, I feel I feel great, and I feel like I've been chosen to to you know
2: to start this new
3: movement of, of ethnic casting.
2: Yeah. You know, whose idea was it to finalize the casting with you? Was it James Cameron? Was it Robert Rodriguez?
3: James was so supportive and, and was the backbone of this, you know, huge undertaking, but mainly was like Robert, this is, I pass the baton to you. You know, any input you want from me, I give it to you. And Robert, in turn, was like, I'm making the same Karen film, like. I want to <laughs> give you, um, you know, the movie that you never had, a, you know, time to make. So they were so loving, and, and they had such a symbiotic giving relationship back and forth. So it was a joint effort. Of course, John Lando was involved as well, uh, one of the greatest producers to ever, you know, produce in the game. So mm-hmm. when I auditioned, Robert immediately... Uh, you know, this is what he tells me. Um, emailed Jim and said, "Hey, uh, here's the tape of this girl I saw today. You know, I, I feel like if we have to shoot this thing tomorrow. We'll on. <laughs> like, what do you think?" And James responded. You know, he was like, "I think we can. I think we can stop here. I think we found her. You know." So they wow. they were always talking. They were always, you know, communicating and, and, and collaborating. So it was definitely a joint effort. And they did their due diligence. They made me uh, jump through several more hoops after that.
2: <laughs> I can only imagine. Rosa, what did, your, what did your mom and dad say? What did your friends from like school, you know, when you were a kid say? I mean, what did your neighbors say? Like, that, I imagine everybody must have been like, <laughs> holy cow, just so full of joy.
3: Well, um, my father, who was the most important person in my life, uh, passed away in 2012 from lung cancer. So uh I'm sure that um that he I mean he always told me that I had something extremely special.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh you know maybe all dads say that but uh it didn't seem like bullshit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He really felt like he was like listen, you, you have options, like you have something here like let's you know let's take a moment and think about that. Like you you know, he's like we used to dream about me being on SNL. And like, One <laughs> day you're going to host SNL. And, oh my God, and, um, so cool! You know, he had a very thick Peruvian accent, so he he didn't sound like the way I'm saying it. But uh, you know, of course, you know, I was uh, I had kind of a rocky start. Um, I went into foster care at a young age. My dad was always around, uh, but my parents were divorced. So um, when I went into foster care, I decided, well, this is definitely not for me. And at 15, I emancipated myself. So um, my mother and I uh, were always, you know, trying to work on our relationship, but one thing she said to me that made me extremely, um, you know, satisfied and, and, and happy. Um, and re- and it was kind of a redeeming moment. She said, you know, you did it all by yourself,
2: Yourself, are you know,
3: nobody helped you. So that kind of made me feel cool. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and it wasn't easy. I really didn't have, uh, you know, that much help. I mean, nobody does it alone, obviously, but, uh, but for, for all intents and purposes, they really did scrape my way here. That's why I tell you, it didn't, I didn't get catapulted, man. I took the slow way. I took the right lane. Um, but they, you know, everyone around me was very supportive. They said, if anybody can handle this, it's you. Uh, I really paid my dues also. So um, I was ready. Like I said, I was just ready. And everybody recognized that. They're like, well, we can't wait to see it.
2: Before we end the uh, the interview, I wanted to ask you, you've you've said a few times uh, during this interview that this was not easy, that this was very hard for you. Why didn't you just quit?
3: <laughs> I did. I did quit. I quit like 85 times, dude. Of course. You know, small quittings here and there. You know, you come home from a a day of driving around a treacherous city with your life in your hands, changing in your car and uh, learning lines on the fly for some part, you really don't you know, <laughs> vibe with for a show that, you know, won't get picked up. And, you know, you're, you walk into a room and everybody looks like you and, uh, and, you know, you, you, it's hard to see the forest for the trees at that, at that time. It's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and you got to keep reminding yourself why you do this. Why do I do this? Why do I do this? And some days are easier than others. You know, some days you go home and you go, I fucking quit. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing is to sure quit and then unquit.
2: Thereafter. <laughs> unquit.
3: <laughs> you know, you gotta you gotta keep going, and um, you gotta be determined if you're ever gonna make something of yourself.
2: I wish you the best of luck in your career. This movie is a visual spectacle unlike I've ever seen one. Uh, Having you there was that much more special. And the fact that Robert Rodriguez is directing it makes it just uh, a 2019 memory that hopefully can live on for a very long time. And we get to see you in more blockbuster films uh, as well. So thank you very much, Rosa. Thank you.
3: Thank you so much.
2: Alita Battle Angel is out in theaters right now. Go catch Rosa Salazar, one of ours, on Hollywood. Gracias, Rosa. Gracias a usted. And that's it for episode 106 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I want to thank Robert Rodriguez and Rosa Salazar for coming on the show. And I hope you guys enjoy the conversations as well. If you'd like to support the show, please spread your love on social media and pass the word to all of your friends. You can reach me on Twitter at JackRicoOfficial and on Instagram at JackRico. Remember, it's only through your support that our show can grow. I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of Highly Relevant.
0: Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joes, and more great brands great prices every day at nordstrom rack score new dresses denim sandals designer bags and sunglasses plus updates for the family and home get your spring on for less up to 60% less today at your nordstrom rack store what will you find
1: pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh
0: yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw